Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So today we're going to be talking about Micah and Nahum, okay? Micah and Nahum. I don't have a whole lot to say about uh, the details of these books, you can read them. They're very similar to some of the other ones that, that, that we've talked about. But I'm going to tie in this message with a couple of things happening this weekend. I just will say this about Micah and Nahum, or Nahum, or Nahum, however you want to say it. Um, that they're very interesting. They both similar talk about some similar things. Again, that God is foretelling the coming uh, destruction. One, Nahum is prophesying to Nineveh. is basically saying, hey, listen, y'all repented at Jonah. We talked about it last week, right? But apparently you didn't get your act together long term, so stuff's coming to you. The thing that Jonah told you was going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen now. Because you repented, but you turned away, and now you, you've gone back like the dog, like the proverb says. It's like the dog that returns to the vomit. It never ceases to amaze me how you can be delivered from something, and Jesus do a work in your life, and to turn around and go back to the same mess that he got you out of, right? Why go back to the vomit? I don't understand that. If God delivers you financially, why go back into bondage, right? If God would deliver you from the bondage of addiction and other things, why get around people with addictions? You understand what I'm saying? But Nahum told these guys, Jonah prophesied to you and you have rebelled again. And listen, God gave you a chance. Your time is up. That's basically the book right there. There you go. Now, you know, you can read it and get some more details from it, but I'm going to focus a little bit on Micah, okay, this morning, a little bit on what Micah says. And watching the fireworks this weekend, we got to the lake, and uh, we were watching fireworks at my father-in-law's place. And, you know, you get to see these fireworks, and they reflect off the lake. They're beautiful. My kids are loving it. You know, it's kind of a thing we do kind of every year. And, you know, as you're watching these fireworks, my wife, I don't know if you're one of these people like Haley, but my goodness, she she should have been, honestly, I think she might have should have been an educator because... She learns all the time, and I'm a learner, but my goodness, and she reads all these things, and I read history, I think I'm pretty good with history, but she has gone way beyond me in the fact that all the stuff she reads and listens to, and she studied so much about American history and things, she's always telling us about something, we're going down the road to the lake, she wants to play a thing, learn something else, and my kid's like, mom, please, come on, it's for the 4th of July, you know. And my grandmother, she's in the car. She's like, oh, I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. My kids are like, great, another one, you know. Come on, we just want to listen to music. And anyway, all this we're, you know, listening to. And and it made me think as I was watching some of the stories she told me and just different things she's been teaching our kids. And I'm watching these fireworks go off. And I was sitting there watching and thinking. I had a moment. I thought, you know, what do you think the people actually thought about in America when independence really made its way to the country. Now, I don't mean what you know now. I mean what they may have thought and felt then. And, you know, when you think about independence, you think about how it falls today, and it falls on the Lord's Day, so I can't overlook that. And I'm going to talk about a couple of these things in our nation and how these official founding of our nation, based upon documentation, based upon many times trying to work out things and they couldn't, based upon some who just wanted to fight and got what they wanted. You know, there's all kinds of different things, but when you see this and you remind yourselves about today, you think this nation has been established with one main theme that runs throughout its founding, and that is freedom for all. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have our issues and have not had our issues in history. But the intent and the establishment was based upon freedom for all. When you look back on the history of America, and you look back on the things in our country, you can stand up and say, oh, man, the fireworks are great, and yes, it's the 4th of July, and have some barbecue and think about that, but the reality is, this may bother us all a little bit, but let's just deal with it. The reality is you can't escape the history of America that has pain attached to it. And every one of us in this room, you may not know it right now because it has not been present in your lifetime. But every one of us in this room, more than likely, you have been affected, your family lineage in some way, probably negative, hang tight, probably negative. If you were immigrants that came over in any way whatsoever, most of you, many of you, my family lineage, more than likely, based on what I can see from Irish or Scottish ancestry, more than likely came across as indentured servants. You sold your soul in a sense for a seven-year span of time saying, I'll work for a guy. And then they lied to you, and you were kept in bondage longer than you thought. That happened here. The Trail of Tears, remember that? Started right around this area. My grandfather, he would tell me stories about how his grandfather was Indian, Cherokee Indian. And I researched and thought about different things, and I thought, you know what's crazy? Some of the Cherokees, the lineage of Cherokee Indians that are here even still today, the only reason that happened is because a lottery system, their name to get pulled the right way or whatever, they got to stay. Many of them were marched across the continent. Many of them died. Most immigration that took place in Ellis Island wasn't very comfortable conditions. If you've been there and seen it, it ain't a pretty sight. Not even to mention the idea that America, we have the whole African slavery trade that came through and our country is still trying to heal from that. Going to the concept of 9-11. And now all of a sudden anybody that wears a headdress or has a, a burger on or anything like that, all of a sudden they're a terrorist. The, the, the idea of America though is that all would be free. But yet, how many know the history of America is not as pretty as we like to paint it on the 4th of July? Now, if that bothers you, I'm sorry. You just need to read some history and deal with it. If that gets under your skin, well, I don't agree with that. I'm hated for you. That's the truth. If you say, well, I just don't agree how you're... Well, I can't help what you don't agree with. Go back and study history. It'll show you. That is the truth. But what I said was the intent was freedom for all. You know, you can't, as much as you'd like to, you can't fix every heart. I'd love to tell you that, man, everybody's going to treat you fair and be nice to you and be a good person. That's just not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen at all. I mean, man, I remember I was telling my kids, I try and tell them we go to through a drive through window, you be nice to the people in the fast food windows. Because I work there, I know what it's like. I had people throw ketchup packets at me. I've had people cuss me out. I've had people say I stole their money. I mean, it's ridiculous how people acted a drive-thru over a $2 chicken biscuit. I mean, I couldn't believe it. They finally took me off because I was too short-fused to handle that, man. I'm like, look, man, I'm about to throw some ketchup back at them. Like, bro, this ain't, I'm not even serving Jesus right now. I'm ready. Like, It's just crazy. No one, you're not guaranteed people are going to treat you fair, but the intent was that this would be a place of freedom. I'm going to read a couple of things to you this morning. I'm going to tie this into Micah. But just to familiarize yourself and remember a couple of things about our nation, this is a couple of 
uh, 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 context, a couple of uh, excerpts from the Constitution, or actually the Declaration. And I want you to hear uh, some of, the, some of the, 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 uh, the writings here. So I'll put these on the screen for you. If you're watching at home, you can read this. If you're in here, I'm going to read this out loud, but watch this. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary, watch this, for one. Notice that word, one. That regardless of how different we are, this nation is supposed to represent one people. I get tired of the little boxes they ask me to check. What are you? Well, I get tired of checking white, I'll be honest with you. It gets a little old. Like, I want a cool background, too. So I was telling Pastor Stephen, I was like, how come you get African-American? How come I get, there's, there's Asian-American, Spanish-American? Like, what am I? He said, you're superior American. That's what you are. I was like, I can't believe you just said that to me, man. You got to understand our relationship. He's crazy, and he don't mind cutting up with me. So we were just cutting up and talking. About, I'm like, man, I want something cool in my box. So I quit checking white. I'm writing in my own stuff. I don't know what I am. I'm Heinz 57, but I'm just tired of putting down white. Oh, give me something cool. We're supposed to be one people. But you can't even go on a job application anymore without trying to disintegrate and break down and divide who we are. We're supposed to be one people. And the Bible, where do they get this concept from? The Bible. Because we are one people. I mean, I might be a little bit darker skinned than you. Some of you might be darker skinned than me. But regardless, we have the same color of blood. We are one people that were born from one creator who was God. All of us come from Adam and Eve. At some point, the lineage goes back. One people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. This was the beginning of what Jefferson wrote down, the beginning of the Declaration, if you will, so that people began and brought about this idea that America could be a place for one people. Another one that's a little more uh, probably familiar to you, this is from also some of the writings there. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Watch this, that everybody say all. All men are created equal. Now, when they wrote men, I know we're so politically correct today, got to say this, but I tell my girls, don't bind to this mess. When they wrote the word men, they were referring to men, women, and children. It was simple. Mankind. It was a simple explanation. And we're so stinking politically correct today, we're making a mess out of our our kids and everybody else because we can't just be clear about it. It wasn't putting down women. Now, I didn't say that wasn't issues. Yes, there was issues. We're not a perfect country. But don't get in this idea that, that, that somehow this wouldn't apply to everybody. It does. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means it, it's applicable to all. And it says all men are created equal. That means everybody. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this one other, I want you to hear this one other paragraph. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, talking about God, we mutually pledge to each other, look at this, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They weren't just talking smack. They put all, everything on the line, man. They burned the ships, so to speak, for all. Did I say we're perfect? No. No. Do we have issues? Yes, we do. 
I've been through enough with families in our church to tell you right now, if you think the red, white, and blue flag that you see paints this beautiful picture, that everything's just great, you're wrong. There are issues that we need to deal with and we still deal with. But when a country is formed, the intent is present. But in its infancy and adolescence, it has to grow and mature. And it's still growing and maturing. God bless us all. It needs to mature a lot more, but nonetheless, it is still growing and maturing. From the Declaration in 1776 to the Constitution in 1787 to many amendments that took place, to even the Bill of Rights in 1791 and other things that have taken place since. What does that show you? That the intent was for all, but the reality was in its infancy and adolescence, we had to grow up and realize there are some mistakes. And if you don't acknowledge them, you can't really have freedom for all. And the bottom line it comes down to from all this, and you say, what does this have to do with Micah? What does it have to do with the Bible? The problem with it is this. You cannot separate this country from God. Because everything in the Bible, the founders took the intent of the nation, the founding documentations, even the government, judicial, legislative, and executive, it came from the Bible. The the establishment of government in our nation is founded from the Bible. So if you say, well, I don't think you ought to talk about this in church. Well, I hate it for you. Then you shouldn't talk about anything because it's in the Bible. The justice, everything is from the scriptures. But the bottom line of all this, and what I'm getting to is, everybody, when you read this, everybody, the one thing that everybody has in common is this. I just don't want to be understood. I just want you to understand me. I just want you to feel what I'm feeling. I just want you to get what I, what I am and what's going on with me. Everything is still evolving today. And I don't mean to comprehend, because if you comprehend something, then you're already moving forward to fixing it or developing something. To understand means i got to listen a little bit to you. It means i got to listen to my friends when you talk to me. i gotta under- I got to try to understand you a little bit. Everybody just wants to be understood. You can take what I'm saying today and twist it and turn it into something else. But what I would like for you to do is just to understand me. Isn't that true of what all of us want? When you're telling a story, when you're trying to explain yourself to people, isn't that all you're trying to do? I just want you to understand me, where I'm coming from. Most arguments that you get into with a spouse, I'm going to go down that road, but most arguments that you get into with a spouse, is it not true that most of the time what you just want them to do is to what? Understand me. When you get into an argument with your child, all you want that child to do is just simply understand I'm trying to watch out for you. I'm not trying to be difficult for you. I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. But many times when disagreements evolve and get worse, it's because we don't understand one another. And we should seek to understand. This is why First Peter, he told husbands, he said, listen, if you're going to live with your wife, you better seek to what? Understand her. Why did Peter, why was he so prophetic in this? Because he knew no matter how much you love Jesus, if you don't understand one another, there's going to be discord and disagreement. When Paul told the, the, the wives there, man, respect your husband. It didn't mean like, oh, yes, sir. That's not what he was talking about. He was saying, understand him as best you can, honey. <laughs> He's a man. Understand him the best you can. Try to understand. With children. He said, listen, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. What does that mean? It means, listen, daddy, remember what it was like when you were 10? 
remember what it's like when you, you've been there. Stop acting like you've been some old man all your life. You know what it's like to be a little boy. Remember what it's like to be a little girl. That's why people tell me I got three girls. Now, I'm going to straight up tell you. You got boys, that's good for you. I love you. Raise them up right. Because I got three girls. I'm just telling you. But when my girls ask me, I'll say, listen, I'm a guy. Because I'm a guy, I know guys. Don't listen to them girls tell you what they think about guys. Listen to your daddy. I'm a guy. I know guys. I don't care how much they love Jesus. They can raise their hands. They can do all of them. Oh, gee, I don't care. They a guy. God wired him as a man, and I'm glad for it. In today's culture, listen, I'm glad that a boy knows he's going to be a man. He's going to be a man. I'm glad for that. And I don't have any problems with whatsoever. But I'm just going to be honest with you, baby girls. I tell all the they a guy. And you can read him that, whatever you want to. I don't care. I tell them straight up the truth. I'm a guy, so I know guys. Fellas, right? Yeah. You, you, weak, man. You better tell them the truth. Don't sugarcoat it. Anyway, so why do I do that? Because I want them to understand where I'm coming from. All of us are just simply looking for understanding. There is no perfect country. America's not a perfect place. Not even close. Stop acting like it is. But the intent is this beautiful thing called freedom for all. It's this beautiful intent. It's what we are trying to build upon. And when it comes to God, there is this beautiful intent of God that he puts in place for people. But what God can't control is how some people take it and go in different directions. Christianity, I'm going to say something else. If you didn't like what I said there, you probably won't like this either. But Christianity in its history has not been this sweet, loving, kind, Jesus-worshiping group of people that we all think we are in here in this room right now. There has been some pretty ugly stuff, kind of, so let's just hide that. We don't want to talk about that. Let's pick on the Muslims, you know. Let's hide what we've done. I mean, I'm just being honest, right? You don't like it? Go read your history then. Yeah, well, I just don't agree with that. What? Whatever. I don't agree with a lot of things, but if I'm going to understand something, I've got to be willing to talk about it and listen and understand it. It's so, it's so easy to overlook sometimes the basics that make up our faith. And this is what Micah and Nahum do. They explain to people what they've done and they forgot what it means to understand God. And this is why as Christians, when you read this book, and I'm going to read some stuff from you for you and just say, as Christians, you cannot overlook these two things. <clears throat> They're in Micah, Nahum, and it's throughout all the Old Testament and the New. And as the simple understanding of God that he is a God of justice and of mercy. That God is not up in heaven with lightning bolts slapping people around all the time. However, if people continue down a pathway, he, he's not going to sit there and excuse it. But he's also not this like sweet, kind, loving God that's ever and just says, well, you're just, you know, you're so cute. Look at you like a puppy dog. It's okay. You're the biggest jerk to everybody, but we love you anyway. No, he's, he don't do that. He's a God of justice and mercy. Let me break it to you like this. He's a God of grace and truth. And what we want from God as Christians, we want all grace for us, right? But for anybody we don't like, what do we want for them? It's all right, don't lie in church. The Lord is here. What do you want? You want truth for them, right? 
Oh, you do too? Don't look at me so sweet. You want to be excused, right? Come on. But anybody that did you wrong, let bring the hammer, baby. Like, like, you know, give them the lightning bolts, Lord. You see what they did to me. Vengeance is yours, saith the Lord. Come on. Give them the vengeance, God, but give me the mercy. Give me the grace. That's all of us. That's human nature. You sit there looking at me like, well, I would never do that. You lying in church? You lying in church? You better repent right now before we go any further. Lying, lying, lying. You know it's the truth. John said this, the law was given through Moses, but watch this. Grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. It means, I love you, watch this, but I'm going to help you. And in order to help you, you've got to understand there's a truth about God that cannot be dissolved. I know you feel that way, and I know you think that way, and I know you say this is okay and acceptable because culturally they say it's right. But God says, "Uh uh-uh, it's wrong. And I don't care how much you paint it. You can put it on the wall and paint a little mural over it, but brick is still behind the wall. You can't change that. You can make it look pretty. It's what we would say. You can put lipstick on a pig, but he's still a pig. Is he not? Oink, oink, baby. He's going to get in the mud and roll around. You can make him pretty all you want, but he's still a nasty pig. Don't like that? All right. Let me say it this way. Jack Hayford used to say it like this. He said, listen, two things you need to understand. First of all, you can't cast out the flesh. And you can't cancel a demon. So in other words, what Jack was saying was this. Listen, if you want to understand Christianity, flesh can't be cast out by a bunch of prayers. Flesh has to be brought under, thank you very much, brought under something greater than itself and submit to something bigger, which is God's word. But on the other hand, you can't counsel a demon either. Sometimes it ain't flesh, but most of the time, let's just be honest, it's flesh. And we pray and ask, oh God, just, 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 just fix me, God. Just change me. Just praying all the time. And God's saying, listen, you don't understand something. You're trying to ask me to change something about me for you to fit what you want. And God is saying, that's not the way it works. You want to be changed? Then you have to come under the submission of my word and agree with me. And then you can see some change. So Micah does a good job of summarizing this for us. And so what is God wanting then? If God is a God of grace and truth, how does that look in Micah? Well, let's break it down in Micah with this one verse of Scripture. Just have one for you from Micah. It's a small book. You can read it this week. And Nahum as well. Very easy to read. Micah 6 says this. Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams? He's talking about the sacrifice that they would bring in the Old Testament. Does the Lord take delight in the thousands of rams that you bring? In 10,000 rivers of oil, he's being a bit exaggerated. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Can you hear the sarcasm in Micah's voice here? You can have 10,000 rivers of oil. My goodness, that's a little extreme, don't you think, of anointing oil. And then he says something very interesting. He says, shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? Now, we don't understand much about this, but they would take, in trying to appease what they thought was God, they would give their child to the God of Molech and have them walk through the fire. It was so atrocious that God said, and you want to wonder why God said destroy certain areas. Why would he say destroy the whole thing, livestock, everything in certain, because they were so evil. This is where Israel picked up these things from. They didn't, they never walked their kids through the fire before. But once they got around some of the cultures that they were supposed to overtake, they picked up their 
cultural habits. And they put their own kids through the fire of Moloch. And so he's saying here, he says, listen, should I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? He's saying, God forbid. No, we don't do that. The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul, that's not something we're going to do. But God has told you, oh man, what is good. Now, this is interesting to me. For God has told you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? This is what Micah says. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The voice of the Lord will call to the city, and it's sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear, O tribe, who has appointed its time to do justice. He says, man, here you, you want to know what's good? He says, listen, he has told you, O man, what is good. That means, I'm just say this as we go forward. There is not one person that doesn't know what is right and wrong. Because God says in his word, he has written the laws of God on their hearts. We all know what's right, and we all know what's wrong. Let's stop playing that little game right now. Well, I just didn't know. Bologna sandwich with mustard, cheese, and whatever else you want to put on it. That's bull. Well, I nobody ever taught me that you know and I know what's right and what's wrong. That's why he says do justice. When you see something wrong to a human, you're not supposed to step in and address that. The story of the Good Samaritan we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that is in itself an example of doing justice. When people are without something, when they are struggling, when they're going through difficulty, and they will receive our help, we step in and we do our job. We bring justice to the situation. When we see people being treated unfairly, we are supposed to step in and bring justice to the situation. That means even if I offend someone for doing so, the right thing will cause you to offend some people. Understand, right? True? The crowd goes with what's quiet, and let's don't say anything, and we'll just blah, blah, blah. Doing the right thing sometimes will cause your name to be brought up. Well, I can't believe he did that. Well, was it the right thing? Well, yeah, but I wouldn't do it. Well, if it's the right thing, do the right thing. Everybody say, do the right thing. Do the right thing. If it was your kid, how would you want them to be treated? Do the right thing. Come on, as Christians, you can do the right thing and still love God and still not back off the word of God and still do the right thing. Do good by people. He said, this is what is good and what has been required of you. Do what's right. So I'm speaking uh, this week with uh, the chief police here in the city of Rome, doing some stuff. They're doing a reaccreditation. Really great. Our chief is a believer. Great, great woman of God. This is what she puts in every one of her emails. It's stuck on every email. And I've seen it so many times. I just, you know, you glance over and overlook it. But this is what's on the bottom of all of her emails. It says this, ignored behavior is condoned behavior. Ignored behavior is condoned behavior. Watch this. How can a Christian that loves God tell people, hey, that's wrong, but it be right? How, in other words, can a Christian, how can we be strong in our beliefs and and declare to people, hey, I'm sorry, but how you're treating your husband or how you're treating your spouse is wrong, but I can still love you in Jesus' name. It's because to do the right thing sometimes will cause people to be offended by you, but you do it anyway. If there's abuse, I'm sorry, that's wrong. Okay, how much they say they're trying to work it out. I'll tell you how you work it out. You work it out somewhere else while that family stays safe and secure. People get mad at me sometimes because I, I don't care. If you ever grew up in that mess, let me tell you right now, it ain't fun. And people who make excuses for it say, well, he didn't really mean it. You, listen, you as big a part of the problem as they are. You stop it. 
If they won't stop, you get them out of the house. And you deal with, well, that don't seem like love. Oh, it's love. It's love that you, you better be glad that, that somebody else didn't step in because, you know, you might not get that chance. <laughs> love isn't always this pretty little patty cake like, you know, pancakes and waffles on the 4th of July like at IHOP. Like, this is Jesus. No, Jesus is not just sitting around excusing things. He calls it out. He doesn't let it go. He, doesn't, he just says, don't go and sin anymore. He said, I don't condemn the change. You got to change. Ignored behavior is condoned behavior. It's not in the Bible. Might have, should have been. I don't know. I'm going to ask her about that. See what she thinks. Do justice. Love kindness. Listen to Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven you. It means do good to people. I'll say this while I go about your kids. Think about this. How do you want your children to be treated? I don't know, man. I started thinking about my girls. They're getting older. And they're pretty. And I got one, you know, she's getting older. The other one's coming up behind her. I started looking around thinking, man. Now, you say what you want to, whatever you think about your own kid. Whatever. I'm going, my, my girl's pretty. I tell them all the time, y'all, y'all pretty girls. I love y'all. Y'all beautiful. Got me thinking, hmm. How do I want them to be treated by some boys? How do I want them to know? how a boy should treat them. And then I look at their mom and I think, I better make sure they understand how much do I love their mom? How do I treat her? You know, I start realizing some things ain't such a big deal anymore. Gotta let some stuff go. Because I want them to see and know, hey, look, I love her. This is how a guy should treat a girl. So when they look after, they don't see some boy that's just, you know, has no desire for anything in the future. He's just living for the moment. They see a young man who, imperfect, has his issues, right? But his heart and his goal is Jesus. But where are they going to see that at? Somebody's got to show them. Do good by people. Be kind to people. Proverbs 22 says this. Watch this. A good name is to be desired over riches. My grandfather used to tell me like this. Now, my granddaddy was, listen, that's a whole other story for a whole other time. He was tough as nails. Was he perfect? No, not by any means, okay? But I will tell you this. He used to tell me this. When you go and do stuff, he'd shake hands, whatever, tell people. I was like, hey, man, like, why this and that and the other? He'd say, listen, I don't need to do a contract with anybody. If I tell him I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And his whole idea was, if your name's no good, your word's no good, son. Used to be handshake people did. Do you remember that? Before COVID, anyway, not fist bumps. But it used to be handshakes. When you said, I will, that was your word. Doesn't matter. If you got the raw end of the deal, you just took the raw end of the deal. Because your name meant something. Be good to people. Do kind by people. Be kind to people. Jesus said it like this. I'm going to close out with this last little thought, but before I do, Jesus said something like this, do unto as you would have them. We could say it this way, seek to understand others as you would have them seek to understand you. We could break down a lot of things if we just tried to understand one another. 
Maybe I don't understand your experience. Maybe I don't understand what you've been through. You may not understand me and what I've been through. You probably don't, and I probably don't. But if we could seek to understand one another as we want to be understood, don't you know that could heal a lot of wounds? Just that one thing. The last thing he said, Micah said, was this. Walk humbly with God. And this is not walking with God only, but with understanding. And this is what 1 Peter says. I'm closing with this last scripture right here. 1 Peter says this. He says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. Casting, watch this, all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, I started with this whole thing about America, and I'm going to end with it. I quit watching news a long time back because it put too much of a burden on me. I thought, man, the whole world is just like exploding from the inside out. And if you listen to enough people on TV, you'll be convinced like tomorrow it's the end of the world. And I realized I couldn't handle it. It just was too much. There's too much grief. There's too much pain. And I just realized I had enough of that in my life. I didn't need anybody else you know, adding to the fires and stoking it. And I just found I was just always tense about it. Man. I'm just like, I'm just ready to just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just ready. I'm on, on edge the whole time, man. And so I finally had to just back off from that. But what I realized is this, maybe right now you're thinking this very thing, that there's too many problems in the world to be solved. That in your country, what you thought was something has changed so much so that you don't even recognize certain things anymore. That maybe you're so overwhelmed by what you see that you're worried for your kids or your grandkids. That maybe right now you're just so concerned with the things that you just can't even you know, focus on God because you're so overwhelmed by what you see. Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. Watch this though. You gotta cast your anxieties over on him. This is one thing I realized in our country is this. We need to give this to God. We do. Steve has said this two or three times, I think, Pastor Steve. In our, we've not had anyone in, in public office, especially in the leadership of the nation, stand up and declare from the podium of the office of the press, not one from either party, declare that our nation should go into fasting and prayer. Not one. And so we're carrying all this around with us and we're being consumed by it. And what we need to do is watch this, humble ourselves under God's hand that he might exalt, cast this country over onto God and stop carrying it ourselves. Say, Pastor Jody, that's hard to do. I understand. I know what I'm saying. I understand. Please understand me. It's not yours to carry. Our job is to pray for the nation, to pray for those in authority, that we might lead good and peaceful lives, but not to carry the worries of this nation on our backs or the world. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but he loses his own soul? He ties that in as he's going along. He talks about this and saying, listen, can you add one more day to your life by worrying? Are you going to extend, you know, your strength? By being consumed about the problems of the day? No. 
Jesus, as a matter of fact, I love this one of my favorite things. I, I, one of the best quotes, I think, things that he said. He said, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough trouble of its own. <laughs> don't you know that's the truth? Man, just look around. There'll be enough trouble for today. No need and tomorrow on top of it. I got enough for today. So what do we do right now? I want to pray for you, and I want you to do something. I want you to just, if you're worried about what's going on around you in your nation, that you can't even enjoy fireworks this weekend, I'm going to pray for you, and would you just simply cast this over on God? Just right now, right where you are, just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I'm going to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to come to you today. God, as a pastor, as a, a spiritual leader, as a someone in the community, God, that I'm not in real authority in our community in the sense of government or anything like that, but I just pray right now from a spiritual house and a spiritual church and spiritual leadership, Lord. I just pray over this flock. I pray over, pray over this con- congregation. And I ask you, God, to help us to just <clears throat> release our cares and anxiety about this country over to you. That, Lord, that we just give you this nation And we ask you, God, to do whatever you need to do to course correct, to draw hearts to you, to bring repentance to our land, to bring healing to our land. God, whatever it takes, Lord, we're in. We're in, Lord. Whatever it takes, God. And God, we just stand in the gap right now. You said in your word, you look for a man that would stand in the gap, but you found none. We, We ask you, God, if you would take our prayers today and God do a work in our hearts that we would release the anxiety of the future to you that regardless of what we see today in Jesus name we release it to you right now just with your eyes closed right where you are maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus you're watching online maybe you don't know Christ I want to pray for you as well You're here today. We pray this every weekend in our church because I never know who's here or who's watching online. I always want to give this opportunity. We're going to pray this out loud with everyone in this church. You don't know Christ. You need to make him your Lord. You need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and receive Christ as your Savior. Would you pray this prayer with me and this whole church right now and say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me and restore me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Would you give him a hand right now? <clears throat> Man, there's a simple thing you can do to help you get started walking with God. Connect.cornerstonerome.com. You can put it online. Fill that in right there. We'll help you get started walking with God or maybe it's a card in your receipt back there you can do it as well. We just help you get started walking with God. But I want to encourage those of you here and watching online as well that, that one thing you leave out today is this. Go and enjoy something. I mean, you know, go and enjoy something. Let go and just go. Now, when I say let go, that means so many different things today. I mean let go of the worry and anxiety you got to clarify sometimes. Let go of that and go and enjoy something that God has created here for you to have today. Today, we're going to start with ice cream. So when you leave, we got ice cream outside for you. You can start with that. 
And if you say, well, I'm lactose intolerant, eat it anyway, it'll be all right. You'll be all right. You'll make it. I am too. I eat ice cream. It's the one thing that God made that, you know, I just eat it anyway. I don't care. Say before you go, stand to your feet this morning before I speak this blessing over you before we leave. Numbers chapter 6 says this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you so much. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.